0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Ladies and
0: gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Super!
2: What's happening, everybody? Welcome to this, the latest episode of ESSR Central here at Eat Sleep supplementary Retweet. I'm your host, Stephen Wilson, and as always here on ESSR Central, we're going to be going through the latest news, reviews, rumors, previews, everything that's happened in the last week in professional wrestling. Before I introduce you to my panel this evening, who are going to be helping me talk about the last week in wrestling, just a bit of housekeeping from us here. You can follow us on all good social media Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Suplex Retweet. You can find us on any good podcasting platform by searching Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. And you can also find us on YouTube, and we've got a lot of great content going on there, including Quiz Showdown, uh, The Conspiracy Theory, and Book It. So loads of stuff going on on our our YouTube channel. But of course, I have been, as always, joined by my lovely panel this evening who will be going through the weeks in professional wrestling. Now, we're just off of the back of the farewell for The Undertaker, so it's fitting that this week's uh, intros are themed around the dead man himself. First of all, he is our own Lord of Darkness, the personification of evil, the reaper of nightmares, and the only person who thinks that abducting Viscera is a good idea. It's Gary other everybody. Oh,
3: thank you, Stephen. Um, a very fitting and accurate introduction for a change.
2: Well, yeah, everything, everything, I was like, "What's makes Undertaker sound like an absolute evil bastard?" And I thought that's very fitting. I could have been, I could have listed a load of them off, but I thought three would be quite enough. Yep. Now up next, he's our own American badass, purely based on all his trips across America. Oh, wait, sorry, not the American badass. I got that wrong. oh sorry. I'll, I'll correct that. He is the Clarkston tight arse. It's David <laughs> Oh, <Holtby.
0: laughs>
2: uh, You know what? I think I thought you were going to say like American dumbass, but hey, hey, ho! I'll just roll with it. <laughs> <laughs> ah, you need to, you need to, you need to start splashing the cash, David. You know, you've uh, you've got that big space to your le- your left co- uh, sh- over your left shoulder there. You can put hey, like an nice each set. That's my right shoulder. I know, but you've got an empty space over your left shoulder. You can buy something and put it there. Uh,
0: no, I'm going to keep that. Uh, I'm going to keep that <laughs> space open. Oh, Jesus.
2: <laughs> anyway, up next, uh, Undertaker over the years has been known for his wide variety of tattoos, and of our panelists, this man probably undeniably has the most tattoos. <laughs> now, the Dead Man's most infamous tattoo was the one he got on his neck with his wife's ex-wife Sarah's name on it. Now, if this man got a similar tattoo, it was simply read Tinder. It's graphic, Robbie. <laughs> <laughs>
4: That's a belter. I mean, other than the fact that I've finally been able to delete Tinder for exclusive lads, get that in. <laughs> uh, fair play <blame> to <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: David's wish for that day.
4: plus Jack Graham's my stepson so that's how it's came about
2: (laughs) you wouldn't want to win him in a ladder
1: match Mm -hmm. (laughs)
4: he's grounded he's not getting on the ladder (laughs) Uh,
1: I'm I'm curious to know the logistics on how this happened Uh, um, we'll let you know about it after the show (laughs) 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 Uh,
2: and finally this man's wrestling fandom can be summarized in one Undertaker segment. Smackdown 2006, Mr. Kennedy, and a hearse. It's Kwaku
1: Yes, I am back folks. I am back with a vengeance. And if you're watching this on video, I am wearing a MACGA hat, which stands for Make Christmas Great Again. Basically, I'm wearing a Santa hat.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, the theme of this show is hats, as
1: we're all wearing one on this recording, you know? I'm taking mine off because it's actually my nephew's Santa hat and my head is bloody sore! (laughs) (laughs)
2: Uh, Right, guys, let's get on to the discussion in next week's rest. And, of course, based on the intro, the big thing we'll start off about is, of course, The Undertaker, now, Survivor Series this past weekend, was badged around the being 30 years of the Deadman. And... Obviously, it led to the speculation, and we got at the event that this was going to be the final farewell of the Undertaker. Uh, anybody who's followed Undertaker's career in the past decade or so would think Undertaker would never pack it in. However, based on the closing half hour of Survivor Series, it looks like he's been he's got the farewell that most wrestlers would dream of. And anybody who's watched any of his media appearances in the past uh, few weeks as well, including when he was on our own Good Morning Britain. And, of course, his recent interview, follow-up interview with Stone Cold Steve Austin and the Broken Skull Sessions will probably gather that this could actually be him calling it a day. Now, Gary, I'm going to come to you first on this one as you really got into wrestling as a child, around about the late 80s, early 90s, when The Undertaker made his famous debut at the Survivor Series 1990 as part of Ted DiBiase's Survivor Series team. On that note, is it surreal to kind of see that he's finally calling it a day after what has been arguably one of the most successful careers in the business?
3: Absolutely. I remember first seeing The Undertaker when I rented a VHS of the Survivor series and you used to have to wait about, or oh, probably about eight, nine months, if not a year, for the room to come out on VHS. Rented it from Global Video. And we used to have, we used to link up, we had a cable, we used to link up the VHS from upstairs. We'd bring it downstairs into the living room and link them up so we could make a copy of them. So we would go to Global and then rent it and then never have to get it again and then could watch it over and over again. And The Undertaker uh, is debut, he was utterly terrifying when he first started and I still have a lot of memories of... The Survivor Series the following year when he beat Hulk Hogan to become uh, WWF champion and being like shocked and distraught that he won the title, um, so to have those kind of fond memories of or, or vivid memories of when first appeared and just the presence the man had to um, to seeing him bow out and when I was watching the whole segment I was waiting for something some sort of shenanigans and you know um, but as it, as it went on it sort of became clearer that that there wasn't going to be any shenanigans that this I, I believe after what was seen at the weekend that this is truly this is truly it um, and I said to the, the, the kids as we were sitting watching it, they were jumping about the place at the time, I was encouraging them to, to sit down and watch it because as I just said to them at the time, this I think will be the last time we ever see The Undertaker mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, uh, Dave you've followed uh, The Undertaker's career quite a lot over the three years of Suplex Retweet so far, you've hosted a lot of the shows we've done in Undertaker, we've done a, 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 a lot of them including the one we did in the summer, round about the whole Last Rides documentary series where it kind of had and him leading to the end, they said he's, this whole thing was was meant to be leading towards that match against Roman, where he thought he was going to call it an end, and end up being a three-year series up until this year's WrestleMania. I mean, mm-hmm. what was your thoughts in this type of farewell that he kind of got? Because it's, it's said that not everybody really gets that sort of goodbye. One of the best examples was Ric Flair. He got something like that. Shawn Michaels got something maybe similar, but not too many of them get it. Some of them just quietly go away, you know? Mm -hmm. So what do you think of the whole End of Survivor Series farewell ceremony? Honestly, I think
0: he deserved it more than anybody. And, you know, the names you mentioned there, Ric Flair, Shawn Michaels, those are the only other times where I think they would got the opportunity just to stand out in the ring uh, on their own, you know, say say their goodbyes. And obviously with Ric Flair, it just felt that little bit extra special because he'd been in the business for... You know like maybe just as long if not even longer and having everybody come out and applaud him at the end undertaker included as well who very rare on a very rare occasion broke character and you know i think i, I always thought rick flair would be the ultimate send-off and i think it still is but this one for undertaker you know with him standing alone you know the lights dimmed and he was just talking to an empty arena but obviously with the piped in crowd chance but having all those figures from the past and stuff and have commentary you know, say, oh yeah, this is when Taker did this and Taker did that. I think it was a really nice sort of way of maintaining kayfabe uh, for the Undertaker's character. And I think that was the, the big one of the big talking points about the Last Ride documentary is that the 30 years he's been a part of WWE, he's spent all that time investing in kayfabe. He spent all that time investing in the character. And I think they, it was only fitting they did it right to the end. And he didn't make it a really sort of dragged out long retirement speech either because that's not really his style he sort of kept it short and sweet and he just walked off into the sunset you know officially on
2: his last ride i think they did it absolutely perfectly mm-hmm. it was an amazing bit of ma- magic as well that they transformed all those legends of the business and and they all just disappeared and became vince mcmahon you know and <laughs> <laughs> that one segment there uh Quacky, it was quite fit as well, but I do mention Vince there, uh, uh, one thing to note Vince, is, Vince should probably retire, he looks absolutely done and shattered looking but mm-hmm. on that one, he looked visibly sh- uh, shook up at the fact that uh, this was Undertaker's final farewell, as it's been well documented in a lot of things, how much he's relied on the dead man, I mean he was a guy who stuck with him during the, during the Monday Night Wars, mm-hmm. was very loyal to him so it's, it must be a, a kind of serial feeling for him Knowing that mm-hmm. his, you know, his locker room leader is no longer going to be there.
1: Yeah, especially with the the last right documentary, you kind of see that Vince was asked, "How much does he mean to you?" And he really breaks down. He's like, "Can we move on?" And everything you do see that he really, really does he like cause, And also, you, when the streak was broken and uh, Taker had to go to a hospital because of the concussion people that went there was Lesnar and Michelle McCool and during Wrestlemania when he likes to be in Gorilla was Vince McMahon went there himself so it it really shows you that he's effectively left his baby because let's be honest Wrestlemania is Vince's big baby that he loves to nurture look after Uh, he's a real good dad in Wrestlemania unlike Grant towards uh, Jack But um, in in this instance, he really worked out for The Undertaker. So, yeah, you do see that.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh, Grant, Dave mentioned the whole thing of it's kind of fitting that he kind of kept some form of kayfabe during all this stuff. You know, in the same week that he arrived on Cameo, he was posting things on TikTok. But let's ignore that slightly for a minute and go back on that one. The cave aspect of The Undertaker was such a main stay of his career, you know. And he's mentioned that on his uh, S- uh, Broken Skull sessions with Stone Cold. It's still quite surreal for him now that he's now able to tell all these stories that we'll go into in a wee bit. It just sometimes he even feels a bit taken back that now he can just be like, be Mark Calloway so vocally as opposed to being The Undertaker.
4: I mean, I saw we've I've started watching the Broken Skull sessions just before we started recording. That's a nice catch, a wee bit, and seeing them say about how liberating it is for him to kind of finally become Mark Callaway again. I mean, it's kind of amazing seeing some of the things popping up, things that are not a lot of people knew about. Um, like there's actually a picture resurfaced that's back in New Japan, and it was him with um, Scott Hall tag team, uh, and they were going for the New Japan tag tag belts. And this was like early, early. Like most well, sort of late 80s, or What it's, it's so surreal though. When you see him, you go, well, like, that's the guy that's going on to become the Undertaker. This is like, it shows you how truly big his career is. Everyone obviously thinks WWE, but he did do a little bit of stuff outside of there as well. And it's it's had a long lasting legacy. that mm-hmm. when he Jack Mulligan? Uh, I don't think it was Jack Mulligan. I'm trying to remember, I, it, I was to Mar- it was Mean Mark at one point. Mean Mark, Mean Mark,
1: Dallas, Alex, yeah. yeah.
4: But like I mean, Scott Hall in the picture looked like looks like um, a cross between Bobby Roode and Rick Roode. It was quite scary. <laughs> Taker
3: did say in uh, the documentary he talked about these ring style and how there was lots of things that he could do, but as the Undertaker, I think he actually spoke about this to Stone Cold in the first one that he he could do, but he shouldn't do. You know, he could wrestle in explosive place, and we got to see him do some of that in the latter WrestleManias when he. He sort of was able to up his performance levels uh, compared to some of the sort of slower style But actually when you think back on it, wrestling at that slower place is probably what allowed him to have the longer career I mean, some of, when I say slower place, I mean some of the things he still did for a man of his size, like the old skill and the bumps that he would take off the top rope when he, it didn't go quite right Forum were pretty impressive with the taking the toll, but that's probably contributed to that. You know, getting really getting into that character probably con- contributing to having that thirty-year career. But it's interesting, then probably worth mentioning. And um, you know, he did used to appear at WWF fan meet and greets, but always in character. And there came a point when he just stopped doing it. So there will be some people there, probably ages with myself now, that have pictures of them or autographs of meeting the Undertaker or Polaroid somewhere. Over meeting
1: the Undertaker. <laughs> see, on that, I've just remembered our previous quest showdown, and we were asked a question about previous names, and our previous name of the Undertaker was Dice Morgan. Does that ring a bell, Grant, at all?
4: Something about it, I'll need to, I'll, I will dig up while we're actually doing this, I'll see if I can actually dig up the... the
1: no, I, up.
0: I think you might be right, Quacko, I think it is Dice Morgan, because I don't know why I had Blackjack Mulligan in my head for some reason, because that was, um... Blackjack Mulligan was, was he not Bradshaw's old tag team partner? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I got I got the two mixed up because I know Bradshaw was Death Mask in Japan, and but and I knew Death Mask wasn't the Undertaker. It was Dice Morgan. I think you might be right there, Quacker.
1: Deathmask was Morgan.
0: Was, I
2: remember yeah. masking that as well. Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm. I, it was Punisher Dice Morgan. I've just dug it up. I mean, I mean, you what go.
2: Said about, I mean, what Gary said about what his style was. You know, he actually mentions on these Obi Stone Gold that his best matches in WWE was against the likes of. Uh, Shawn Michaels, Kurt Angle, and even the late great Eddie Guerrero. So he loved, he quite liked working with these kind of smaller guys, but he also did enjoy his big style matches. He's obviously talked very fondly of Kane and anything he did. I mean, the Brothers of Destruction documentary went out the other week, the two of them, he was very much his match with Kane and Smokey Mountain Wrestling when he was uh, a Unibomb or something something like that. I never knew that thing existed until I watched that. Yep, Mike bomb. That was Kane's
0: Speaking other gimmick.
1: Speaking of Kane, why was he the only one out in full gear? <laughs> 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 oh, he got stitched in that uh, Legend call. was. I feel bad for him. I mean, to be fair to him, he was socially distant, the only one that was, and he was wearing a mask, so...
2: Yeah, but if, you, if, if if you know much about Glenn Jacobs' political uh, movements yeah, during you know.
4: <laughs> the pandemic, ma- the mask didn't so- cover his mouth and nose anyway. I <laughs> to wear a mask
3: now. Uh, it's interesting you say that's even because um, you know, he tells the story of um, of seeing Yokozuna work for the first time at a dark match and looking behind the curtains and saying, "You know, oh, to Vince, let me let me work with him, please." And Vince and ha ha, no, I've got other plans for you and the giant Gonzales appears. And for him, you know, he was you know, often paired up with people like Gonzales who, you know, God bless them, they in Cali, you know, they were not going to put on five star matches. So it must have been so refreshing to actually go in the ring and be able to work with somebody, you know, you know, or wrestle somebody that actually was a proper worker. So what a, a difference to be able to go in there with somebody like like Kane, Eddie Guerrero, Yokozuna, um, you know, very different types of matches oh. with some of those guys. But what a difference to be able to go against them rather than a, a Giant Gonzalez.
2: Before we came on air, I rewatched the match Undertaker had with Yokozuna at the Survivor Series 1994, which had the special guest enforcer Chuck Norris, Chuck Norris, <laughs> who was there to stop the locker room coming out and costing Undertaker the match again like they did in 1994 I mean rewatching watching so much of this Undertaker stuff there's so many aspects of it I mean we all remember the great stuff the match with Mankind and Hell in a Cell the feud with Shawn Michaels the stuff with Kane there's loads of wee stuff that you look back on you think I wasn't sure about this when I was younger but I watched back on it it's quite like it see I liked his Ministry of Darkness stuff now as an adult not as a child because it frightened the shit out of me but because Gary's on this show, I thought I'd mention this moment because this moment always makes me chuckle a wee bit. I mentioned obviously the, the abduction of Viscera during the introductions, and of course, that <laughs> happened at the 1999 Royal Rumble where he was Mabel still at the time, and he gets that's him essentially as an induction into the ministry when he gets abducted by the acolytes and Midian, They're clothed Midian at this point, thankfully. And there's a point later on in the match where you kind of the, the assault is happening in the car park, and obviously, they're trying to batter uh, her into this, you know, this hearse. You get them in there, you know. Undertaker's like, yeah, right, get them in, I'll hodge thing. And then at that point, we see Stone Cold re arriving into the arena, driving an ambulance to, to get to the ring to batter McMahon. And I'm sitting thinking, Steve, I love you, but you've just drove by an abduction to come out <laughs> to the ring. You've completely <laughs> just dinged this whole, uh, you know, kidnapping that we've just seen, you know. But I always, I've always, always quite liked that moment, you know. Has anybody, just quickly on the, uh, with this one, anybody get any real standout mo- underrated moments from The Undertaker's career that they would like to kind of highlight? Oh, you mentioned his feud with Kurt
0: Angle. I think his match, uh, the match against Kurt Angle at No Way Out 2006 for the World Heavyweight Championship, that is a vastly underrated match because it's often forgotten, you know, you look first at the Shawn Michaels matches and, you know, uh, the Hell in a Cell matches as well just to name a few but that World Heavyweight Championship match is probably still one of my favourite B-Pay-Per-View main events in a long time because I remember I watched it I recorded it on like BT Sport when it was still doing B-Pay-Per-Views then I, wa- I sat down and watched that match and for about 20 minutes I was I was on the edge of my seat of all the time it was a probably one of the best matches I've seen in quite a while especially like when I was only just getting watching wrestling about maybe a year or two years in yeah. Mm-hmm. there's
3: two two matches that spring to mind for me, Stephen. That are sort of underrated ones. And my view one is the SummerSlam Boiler Room Brawl with Mankind, which um, I just loved at the time because you have never really seen anything like like it. And some of the bumps they were taking in that Boiler Room were, were for for the time were quite big big bumps and moments. So I love that one. And then. Um, it's probably one of these lesser spoken about WrestleManias, but I really enjoyed the Undertaker Triple H WrestleMania at seventeen.
2: Oh, it's great! It's got As the well. longest ref bump in wrestling history.
3: Yeah, and the ref for
2: about half an hour.
3: He missed the whole match.
2: Ah he it does. it's unreal how he likes look because he, he gets knocked down. They go into the crowd for ages, and they did do that. He did that uh, choke slam spot off the uh, camera, bit. Yeah. camera tower. Um, it's, it's,
3: yeah, and there's this the moment the the sledgehammer uh, as well as he went up for the last ride and gets smacked with the 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 sledgehammer the gimmick sledgehammer then did quite a lot of damage to him and um, you know honorable mentions his match with uh, Ric Flair the following year at uh, WrestleMania 18 was
2: also it's very good match it's a very good, good match. match with Flair I think mm-hmm. it goes down
4: uh...
2: Quacko you get anything
1: my Undertaker uh, well without stating the obvious <laughs> bit that I love um, for me it has to be I know this is a weird thing to say but as somebody that just loves music media and that kind of thing his whole entrance at Wrestlemania 19 with Olympus get played which is absolutely amazing just the fireworks seeing them at the top Revan Fred Durst doing the dance and the rapping it, it was just it was just a badass moment for me um, the only thing that was missing was maybe a Revan tank, but that's another thing for Rusev there. But oh, it's just amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh,
4: Grant, anything you might throw up? I mean, the guys have pretty much covered the other ones I've got. I, I'm just always big in these mini entries, like things like was it was it when he was punk or what? And it had all the caskets and they all got lit up. Mm. Uh, no, that, I think was, I was, uh, that was that was 29 29 when he lost was, that. Yeah, that was it. No, I, uh, 29
1: 29 was was when he was on the ground. Yeah. Mr. Ciano twenty one when he's on that platform that draws him in—it's <laughs> just so scary as anything. Right. I did not, I uh, do not want to be Randy Orton watching that.
2: Uh, I really like fourteen entrance. The one for Kane—that was a—that um, was badass yeah. as anything. His, his WrestleMania twenty return one as well was quite similar. It's just as good. The uh, whole better
3: one for that Stephen adds a little underline to it when you just hear the voice at the start no. of it.
2: Mm. I just what a, what a lady drops the kid you're no son of mine like harsh <laughs> 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 what a way of the a guard uh, anybody who's not watched the Broken Skull Sessions documentary Stone Cold does ask him about the pyro accident at Elimination Chamber 2010 uh, that's actually a really good listen, uh, watching that one when he talks about that he it was 11 at the pyro guy. I think is fair to say. <laughs> quite I know you're an advocate of pyro, but uh, I can probably see I mean, why yeah, but
1: not not toasting the superstars I, mean, I, can, I can probably see
2: why they stopped the pyro for so long because Undertaker killed the pyro guy.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> he, was... <laughs> he was that annoyed, him, but there's, uh, there's so much. I think he was more. I think he was more pissed off because Goldberg can obviously stand in his pyro. <laughs> I know it's totally different, but still. <laughs>
2: Uh say something else. But there's there's so much great stuff for this whole Undertaker month stuff as well. But a fantastic career for the Dead Man, and as you mentioned, Paul Bearer, there, Gary. I thought it was quite a nice touch as well. They did The Paul Bearer hologram at Survivor Series as well.
3: It was. I actually, th- I think, if I was summarising the whole segment, I just think it was a really classy send off. It was, you know, um, nice that he's, um, you know, he, he's he was surrounded by his friends for that moment. Very few people would get that type of introduction from Vince McMahon. So that was that was special as well. And um, you could see the emotion in Vince's voice and also in The Undertaker's voice when he was speaking. It was... Um, he said in GMB that actually people maybe not physically being in the re- arena might have helped. I think um, both men might have struggled even more if there had been an actual live audience there and you could see the whites of people's eyes there. I thought... Yeah, just a, a classy, classy send off.
2: Mhm. Yep. As he said, my time has come to let the Undertaker rest in peace, and that was that. That was the closing off segment, obviously, of Survivor Series. But obviously, there was, you know, actual matches at Survivor Series. There were stakes on the line, even though at no point during the show they said what the score was between Raw versus SmackDown. But aside from that one, there was some very good wrestler action going on that show. there was actual matches at Survivor Series as well as the Undertaker's final farewell and Dave the one that many people were talking about post uh, Survivor Series was the main event match between Smackdown's Universal champion Roman Reigns and Raw's WWE champion Drew McIntyre now obviously not the first time the two of them have met They did have a match at last year's WrestleMania WrestleMania Effect 5 not really one many people cared of though because the it was a bit of crap build. It was all about this whole pish with Drew, Barry, Cobb and Lashley. But this match, I believe, was a completely different Kettle of Fish, and it was the one everybody was really looking forward to. Yeah, that match was main event
0: of WrestleMania worthy. Like it was, like you said, completely different Kettle of Fish. Like these two guys were made to look like complete mega stars, like both champions of the respective brands. And you know, these are this is like the equivalent of say. Uh, today's modern equivalent of Hulk Hogan versus the Ultimate Warrior this is that's what that reminded me of and it's a shame because you know just about a year and a half ago WrestleMania 35 they were basically a piss break match uh, and it's hard for me to say that and but you, there was also that match they had at Stomping Grounds as well I think that was a rematch but both times Roman won that and he's won at Survivor Series too and I, I actually have checked Roman Reigns is now 4-0 and against Drew Drew's never beaten Roman Reigns one-on-one before which is quite quite fascinating but the, the, the amount of spots they had in this match, it was just a, a perfect story to be told there. You know, Roman's come out as the Tribal Chief. You know, his new heel persona has made him a much bigger aggressor and a much more intense competitor. But Drew just matched them every step of the way, and it makes Drew look like an unstoppable machine. Uh, and there was a couple of spots in particular that really caught my attention where he countered the spear into a Kimura lock. So it was a little shade of Brock Lesnar's... Uh, submission hold and that but that spear through the, the barricades by the announce table I mean yeah, that is just a, the biggest oh my god moment of this year I'd say
1: mm-hmm.
2: yeah Gary Dave, Dave mentioned some of the spots there and it was quite you felt like the two of them I mean that match at Wrestlemania last year I mean at that point Drew was still kind of he wasn't quite the article that he is kind of now Roman was literally just back from leukemia uh, and his first singles match back so but But this particular bout, you can kind of tell the two of them, they must have had some kind of incline themselves, and they kind of know that they two are the guys now. And they knew that they had to go out there and, you know, put on a show.
3: And and yes, they absolutely did. And the the characters now, they're just so, so much more well-defined, if I could put it that way. That's not particularly great at good English, I know. But more defined, uh, more in their groove, more the type of roles the audience want to see them in, as well, um, and it just made it so much more interesting. Headed into this, you know, people cared about the two people in the ring, and they didn't care all that much at WrestleMania 35. I like think the guys said, you know, were accurately we talked about it as a as a pee break. It was the proper let me up match, and they they certainly put it all out there, and really. I thought it was really interesting the sort of psychology of the match and how that you know we had that it is awesome chance and what a difference. I know we're going to talk about Thunderdome in a bit, but just the difference. Have that setup has made when we think back to the it seems like you know a lifetime ago because this feels like the year will never end. The empty arena matches at WrestleMania, just the difference in terms of the atmosphere having that fan input is having there, yeah, I, I just thought it was you know, like brilliant brilliant work, brilliant storytelling really got into it, and I certainly don't think Drew is any looks any weaker, having come out as the loser of this match at all
2: mm-hmm. Yeah uh, going into it, a lot of people are speculating how they could get a finish for this one without you know any of them do. Uh, going weak obviously, the big thing with Drew is obviously He's just won the title back and he just lost the title and obviously Roman is on this indestructible run. And of course they found a way of doing it in the form of Little Cousin Jay who obviously came out and had a final say in the match and seems to get himself back on the good books of Roman after, you know, being disappointing the family during the opening 5-on-5 five five Survivor Series match.
4: Aye, this is where, like yeah I've not really watched a lot of WWE lately but this was one of the matches that I did watch at Survivor Series I only watched three matches in total from it because it was only three that caught my eye and this one the storytelling and it was fantastic using Jay for the like it's a finish that in some places you'd maybe think it kind of cheapens the match but in this one it plays well to the overall story of Jay trying to get in the good books of his his, his big cousin that and that like, little bit at the end where I, I was like, is he going to hit him? Is he going to... No, no, he's going to hug him. That, that was actually... You could feel the tension. But you could also feel like Jay is actually coming round to his way of thinking. And it's a logical step with the story.
2: Mm, yeah, definitely. Because, Gary, even from the, the opening match of the show, which was the 5-on-5 five five Men's Survivor Series match, you kind of felt like there was something brewing in this one because... You know, we saw clips of Paul Heyman watching the match go on anytime we saw Jay Uso in the match. And the way that match goes on, it, is built, it builds towards Jay being the last man standing. And a surprising clean sweep for Team Raw, which, given the build up to the show, with the dissension in Team Raw, we thought Team Raw could have won it. But it's the first clean sweep in Survivor Series history since 2006.
3: I was that that was the most surprising part of it for me, Stephen. I uh, I'm disappointed at the lack of the brand warfare. I mean, what's the point of of Raw versus SmackDown if the results don't mean anything? So the sort of tally up you know, I did it mentally as the night went on. Oh, I was keeping track of it. I just don't understand what's the point of it and leading into the next night of Raw when you seen the team Members arguing for their rewards. You know, that some of these, you know, there should be some stakes in these matches. But, um, if it, it's not going to be bragging right, so what's it going to be and what's the point in doing Raw versus SmackDown? But yeah, I did not expect uh, the Raw team to function as well as it did on the night. I did not expect it to be a clean sweep. And I thought when we got down to the end that we were maybe going to see a bit of a, you know, you know good effort on part of jay who maybe score a couple of pinfalls a couple of uh, results there and then ultimately come up short with the odds being too many but no in less than two and a half minutes after uh, after otis was eliminated the match was over so jay's final fight back was pretty pretty unimpressive.
2: Uh, Dave, I believe I may have stolen a stat that you probably had in the bank there with the whole clean sweep thing of, since 2006. Yeah, uh, obviously that was uh, when DX, the Hardy Boys, and CM Punk went cleaner than mm-hmm. on that one. But you know, there was aspects of the match that you saw coming. You know, the Seth Rollins stuff, I seen coming. You know, mm-hmm. uh, also uh, enjoyed the wee bit Seth Rollins shutting his eyes when Matt Riddle was in his corner. I quite liked that one, uh, given <laughs> he's true to the fact that he does not want to be in there with Matt Riddle. Um, yeah. I quite liked the mini stuff with Otis and Braun. I felt like that was in Keith Lee as well, actually. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't feel like there was any point in Barry Cobbin being in the match.
0: <laughs> That's well, weird, right? Honestly, SmackDown, I think, it was such a lopsided team. It didn't surprise me that Raw won in convincing fashion. I was expecting maybe Riddle or Sheamus to get eliminated, but for a clean sweep, I think it just emphasizes how badly put together the SmackDown team was. I think Seth, either if Seth Roll, if we use Seth Rollins wasn't going away for, you know, to look after his fiance and their, and their child, you'd have thought, he just he just looks at this team and he's just like, no, nope, I'm out, just kick me in the face and be done with it. <laughs> uh, but that's, there's another fun fact I did get from that. It's that every single member on Team Raw got an elimination. So it wasn't just like, and it, they all went in there without nothing, you know, they all did their part. So, and, and I think that, that was the story being told in this match is this, can this actually pretty decent team of Raw superstars actually click together and work well as a team and in the end of the day they all did their bit and Smackdown was pretty much irrelevant at that point but my biggest gripe on Team Smackdown was why on earth was Otis put in there instead of Big E? Like, and if, they wanted, no. if they're want, putting Big E to be a single star like hello, this
2: is his chance well David that's where you go to that one you know, with the the result of the match is a clean sweep for Team Raw, so you put a man like Big E on that one and he gets knocked out in a clean sweep Mm. what does he look better and does he look better being a losing member of a Team Smackdown who gets beat comprehensively he also wasn't in the Battle Royal and if he was not going to win the Battle Royal there's no point having him in for the same reason so I think he looks better off not being in any of these two matches than (laughs) being on team on Team than just for the sake of it I think if they're different plans for it, I think if you say the likes of like Sheamus, if Sheamus goes out, you know, Riddle goes out, you know, maybe Braun gets disqualified or something like that and it's like a two person surviving, Big E looks good in that aspect of it but if they're going to go with a clean sweep, you're best keeping them out of there
4: Yeah,
3: absolutely right yeah. The only way to eliminate somebody in a Survivor Series match is to do the thing we've seen in previous years um, like Braun Strowman at Survivor Series last year where he gets counted out or you get the double count out of the double disqualification, you can still have somebody relatively protected in, in that fashion. Um, which is probably makes sense why Big E wasn't featured in this way, plus we did get to see that little uh, reunion of the three new day that we probably wouldn't have got if Big E had been in one of the other matches.
4: Mm-mm. Yeah, i seen
0: uh, their- Seeing them in their Gear It's 5 outfits, so, I mean, that was one of my highlights of the entire X, that gear looks absolutely uh, up-
2: amazing. <laughs> well we'll, f- we'll throw straight to that match David you know obviously it was the Street mm-hmm. Profit versus the U-Day you know Smackdown Tag Team Champions versus Raw Tag Team Champions a few weeks ago I said this match had the capabilities of stealing the show did you think i get close to that
0: honestly this was my match of the night I think this absolutely stole the show uh, because I've I was excited to see the one of the elimination matches, you know, kick off, and I thought, okay, this is gets in the mood for Survivor Series and stuff. But you know, whoever is following this, is gonna probably be a bit of a stinker. But no, this one did not disappoint in any any way, shape, or form. And there was there was plenty of story to be told behind it, you know, because they had interactions backstage. You know, they'd swapped brands, they swapped championships. I think it only made sense that they were gonna you know clash at some point. But this just goes to show what two tag teams with amazing chemistry with each other can do inside a WWE ring and you know WWE gets criticized for not producing the best tag team wrestling but this is one very big glaring exception the Street Profits have now become arguably as big if not maybe just under the popularity levels as the New Day have because New Day's been around for a good five years now Street Profits are still uh, hot property and you know something fresh off the table and look how quickly they've arrived you know they've been tag team champions for the majority of the year and they're massively over with the crowd and their movesets you know Angelo Dawkins for a big man he moves absolutely flawlessly Montez Ford in that frog splash is just a thing of beauty and it's the their personalities as well that gets over with the audience so I could see the Street Profits potentially being WWE's top tag team maybe for the next few years
2: mm-hmm. uh, Grant a few weeks ago you actually um, told me that you didn't like this you weren't looking forward to this match uh, obviously, it's one of the ones that you watched. Uh, what was your feelings on it?
4: It was a match that, when I looked at it a few weeks ago, wasn't enamoured by it. As the build came up to it, I followed some of the articles, I followed some of the news articles, and everything, and my interest started to drum up. And I was like, "No, know what? get a bash." Worst that it, worst it is, I don't I don't like it. It was my second favourite match of the whole show. It was mm. absolutely fantastic. I I loved the selling. Um, My biggest worry about it going into it was Both teams are kind of faces So I sometimes hate that You get that face vs face It can be quite flat But New Day kind of played a little bit Heel at points And I felt that was really good Because New Day's been face for so long But I wouldn't say no to seeing a little bit of a heel run for them Getting a little bit too cocky now That they've they've won that match To come back to bragging We have beat everyone who can beat us That sort of thing it sets up some good opportunities. You took the words out of my mouth,
3: Grant, because I was going to touch on the one of the things I enjoyed about this match was was the New Day's heelish behaviour during it. But just to sort of finish up, one of the points I was going to make is I, I love the Street Profits as well. I think they're f- fantastic. But by God, they need some contenders. They need some challengers. Both teams need some challengers. It looks like we're going to get the you know run with the heart business in the, the New Day,
0: um, but. But you know, both need something to do, and the share. <laughs> <laughs> I,
4: think the
0: best, I think the best offer they've gotten SmackDown is Ziggler and Reed, but I mean it's hardly something to, to shout from the rafters about.
2: Cesaro and Nakamura still drew. A, are they not still drawing a rematch?
4: Maybe get of this whole rematch business in WWE. they rematch.
2: don't really have anybody there. They need some reason for them to kind of team with them, you know. And Cesaro got- wasn't even in the battle
3: royal. Stephen are they even still think, he a thing? Ad- ad-
2: or He
0: was advertised for the battle royal as well.
2: No, he wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't on the. He wasn't in the pre-show yeah. graphic. No, it was just Nakamura, David. was, pre- uh, he was, was, he was pretty pretty good all, good all that. He was mm-hmm. But that yeah, was a good tag team match, you know. Two very very strong tag teams. We have been talking about Montez Ford, uh David, and uh, his other half was given a not-bad showing in the 5-on-5 five five Women's Survivor Series match, which was mm-hmm. obviously Team Raw, which consisted of Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, Lana, Lacey Evans, and Peyton Royce. That's a team that'll put butts on the seats. Uh, taking on Team SmackDown of Bianca Belair, Ruby Riot, Liv Morgan Bailey, and everyone's favorite, Natalia, who it was revealed before the show is she's the woman in WWE history with the most wins, the most Survivor Series eliminations, and the most on-show naps from fans. That last one's <laughs> my. That last one's my step. Uh, but um, this was a differently laid-out match, the women's Survivor Series match. With the men's one, it was all about the candid rip, the Raw team coincide. This This one was all about the storytelling aspect of it, both mm-hmm. on the Raw side, I think, as well, and the SmackDown side.
0: Yeah, I wasn't too sure about how this was going to pan out, because obviously, you know, the, the story was... Uh, all the stories just seem to be happening on the Raw side as well. For some reason, there never seems to be any proper developments going on on SmackDown rather than just making new stars. But yeah, the storylines obviously Nia Jax keeps putting Lana through the announce table. And word going into it was that Lana was going to get some form of uh, of uh, retribution against Nia in some aspect. So we were wondering, you know, if you know Nia gets uh, eliminated or something, and Lana either abandons her or you know somehow puts her through a table in some convoluted way. But um, I think the booking to the end of this match was actually pretty poor if I'm being brutally honest because Lana does bugger all for most of the match. She just stands on the steel steps uh, in the corner. Uh, Bianca Belair is doing all the all the heavy lifting for Team SmackDown. Gets uh, a couple of people eliminated. Shane and Nia albeit by disqualification and count out respectively. But I think it, it, it hurt Bianca more than it did to elevate Lana because Lana does nothing yet. She gets... Like a very, quite a big accolade of being known as the sole survivor of a raw team where she does nothing. That it really grinds my gears to know that somebody can get such a prestigious accolade and having done almost hee haw to to get there because Bianca was the absolute star of that match as she was uh, the year before when he was pe- competing in the NXT team. So I think I, I get why they were do, tr- doing in terms of Nia and Lana, but at the expense of a of A rising star like Bianca Belair, I wasn't happy with it.
2: Well, uh, uh Gary, one thing that grinded my gears a wee bit is uh, you get this moment at the start of the match where we get Peyton Royce picking up a major surprise, eliminating Bailey first, then two minutes later, she gets eliminated by Natalia
3: there's so much Dave Dave, if that was you being brutally honest I mean my goodness Uh, (laughs) go go for it Gary go for it I was I was seriously pissed off with this match and always but first one you know Bailey has had the most amazing year eliminated by Peyton Royce I mean what what the fuck has Peyton done recently and she's iconic uh, what's the point in giving (laughs) her this rub then of eliminating Bailey to have her tap out you know Two minutes later to, to Natalia is what the fuck? I mean, if you're gonna if, if Peyton's gonna you know get the rub of uh, Pin and Bailey, don't throw it away straight away. That was that was the first thing that pissed me off about this one. I was pissed off about Bianca Belair's presentation in this match because yes, she got a lot of the spotlight and looks you know, she's just incredible anyway. But she didn't eliminate anybody. Uh, Shayna got herself disqualified, her and I were County Downs. She not anybody. There was plenty of, you know, uh, jobbers here that she could have eliminated along the way. Why not give Belair a couple of these eliminations along the way? She could have uh, eliminated Peyton. She could have eliminated Lacey Evans. Nobody would have cared. And then the third one that pissed me off was, was Lana's victory. If this was to elevate and give Lana a rub. I fail to see how this achieves any of those things, other than in the passage of time, people might remember that she was a sole survivor, but forget how she got there. She could have got uh, elevated in other ways, she could have got the you know the fluke pinfall to win the match, she could have beat somebody cleanly, she could have contributed to Nia being eliminated, you know, stood up to Nia and maybe slapped in the face which would have then set up somebody to eliminate her, you know, give her a bit of payback on it, so if, you know, those three reasons I was pissed off. Generally the, the booking in this match I, I felt feel I don't know what purpose it serves. I'm usually one that says, you know, let's let's see how it plays out, but I, I fail to see how this does anybody any good. Yeah,
0: I did have Apple. a theory about I did have a theory about the Bailey's uh surprise elimination because if you remember I think maybe about a minute prior, she and Peyton did that superplex spot to the outside and I, I'm not sure nobody, if maybe that, nobody caught Bailey there was they, yeah. of them there and nobody caught her exactly, yeah so I'm wondering if she got maybe potentially hurt during that spot and it was made just to be an, uh, on the fly call to say look uh, I'm hurt I can't keep going just eliminate me quickly I'm, I'm wondering maybe if that was uh she took a nasty bump and she just couldn't continue yeah.
2: but what I'm saying what what Gary kind of makes the fair point if you're going to have Peyton then do that then you call it on the fly at least something like that have be anchor eliminate Peyton if they're going to do it so soon what mm-hmm. Natalya has to gain from eliminating Peyton that soon is unreal they could have had anybody else on that Smackdown team do it Liv Morgan Ruby Riot, they could have done it you know but no they went with that yeah. And I, I I thought if they were gonna do the Lana fine they had to do the sneaky pin. I don't know her standing on the steps, did there any any benefits? You know yeah. fine where they're gonna this is gonna run till Maria we're gonna get a match between yes. Nia Jax and Lana at WrestleMania. <laughs>
1: has
3: to be a tables match, doesn't
4: it? I mean oh, I kind of believe just QCon or Nia Jackson no a real name, a new gimmick, Denia Vax.
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> she ain't like most girls. Uh, uh, <laughs> Grant, I will uh, move to you on the next one with a match we've not talked about yet. Uh, Raw Women's Champion Asuka versus SmackDown Women's Champion Sasha Banks. A match that we saw all throughout the summer. But uh, this one had a much different outcome. We had a clean victory for the boss, Sasha Banks, when it finally looks like she's been booked as a dominant champion in WWE.
4: This was a match that actually won it for me that night. That was my favourite match. It was not what I expected. It took given that I was expecting and then with turned it on its head The clean win. The, the way like the look of upset upsetting Asuka's face at the end is if to say hang on I've tanned you up and done the entire United States what just happened like it, it sets up Asuka to have a bit of like a, a bit of a, a breakdown almost in Raw like just to you kind know, of lose the plot a wee bit and for Sasha it puts her in a good strong standing hopefully keeping her away from Bailey for a little bit until they eventually clash again hopefully at Mania
2: yeah uh, Gary this one actually this was my shock uh- Prediction, anyway, call of the night. I thought a lot of the other stuff was going to happen in some way. I did not see a hope in hell that Asuka was going to lose here to Sasha. I thought Carmella may have got involved and did something, else, but no, they did. I, I really surprised how they were moving and had it clean as, a, clean as a whistle.
3: Yeah, what's interesting about Survivor Series is it seems to become this little show in its own vacuum, and all the other stuff that goes on round about it's kind of been forgotten about because it would have made perfect sense for. For Carm- Carmella to have cost um, to have cost uh, Sasha the ma- uh, the match, and um, I did I thought based on the run that Asuka's been on that she would have um, she would have come. Uh, she, I I took her to be victorious in this match. I think the way she lost the match didn't really you know it hasn't done her any damage. It's probably good to help make Sasha look a bit stronger. We know that Sasha's uh, title runs have been less than stellar up until this point, the previous five have not been, so it's probably one can make a compelling argument to say that she needs the victory, but this type of 50-50 booking, she you know, she didn't, didn't really beat her so does it really achieve that goal? I would have preferred it to have seen a wee you know, bit of a story to it uh, and give Sasha more of a reason to go after Carmela on the back mm-hmm. of it mm-hmm.
4: Good point for uh, Sasha, though we want to make her look good on the back of being in the Mandalorian this is the way.
2: Uh, yeah, that makes a fair point there, Dave. It's a good PR move to have Sasha do so well. Mm-hmm. But you can argue as well, this is a nice, good, just reward for Sasha as she's probably had an absolute stellar year. It's probably between her, Bailey, and Asuka for the MVP of the women's division in WWE this year.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. I think I'd give it to maybe Bailey or Sasha. Like, I, but I think Bailey, in terms of her heel work, you know, has been absolutely phenomenal. Sasha definitely benefited more from this victory because Asuka, you know, she's been dominant throughout the entire year as as she should be. And, you know, this loss doesn't really affect her too much. You know, it was just and it was a fluky sort of roll up at the same time, you could argue. So and she was genuinely shocked that, you know, she was she lost the roll up contest towards the end. Uh but yeah, as Grant said, I think Sasha hasn't really been portrayed too well when she's holding a championship because she often loses it after about you know just a couple of weeks of holding it but this gives her a bit more legitimacy as a chat as a fighting champion and as-, and as a winning champion too so I-, I think it was good to sort of give her that give her this victory you know it gives her a bit more momentum uh the carmella interference seemed a bit too obvious so i could see why they would back out of it but i could see her and carmella be, be having a feud for-, for tlc and if this is going to help continue towards wrestlemania possibly with a rematch against bailey then I think the best way to, to do it is to have Sasha keep winning the big matches. It gives her a good PR for the Mandalorian, and it also puts her in a good spot for a, a nice big WrestleMania feud down the line.
2: Two potential WrestleMania matches they can chuck for Sasha, I think, right away. You mentioned the Bailey one, if they keep them away from each other. The other obvious match is if they Shut build up. her up right. No, not Charlotte. <laughs> no, oh, Charlotte. No, 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 no. Uh, no, 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 Bianca, no. Bianca Bianca Bailey uh, is the one. If they build Bianca enough well, that's the match. See, that's the money match for the
0: reason. The reason I- the reason I think Bailey could be a, another WrestleMania match is because my early prediction, spoiler alert, is I think Bailey will win the Royal Rumble.
2: Now she'll get eliminated by Peyton Royce or Natalya. Probably Natalya. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, Amina. guys, I'm going I'm to make the executive decision and skip Bobby Lashley versus Sami Zayn. But we've of-
4: got Sami Zayn here right now. Uh, uh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> we going to talk uh, about
3: Bobo D. Gooker next, Stephen. Oh
2: Jesus Christ! Any <laughs> G- anniversary? Oh, it was it was good. G- G- sure.
4: G- oh, yeah, it was. G- yeah, Gobley Gooker's G- 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 just joined the Retribution as G Unit. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh man, <laughs> I can't believe it did that. I can't believe. It. I, mean, oh, I mean, I mean, I don't I know, know what was the, the spot. Anything. I don't know. I don't know what was the spot of the pre-show. Gobley Gooker showed up or. The very enjoyable exchange in the, in the battle royal between Chad Gable and Dominic Mysterio. That was a belter <laughs> That was so well done. You know, Chad Gable is just unbloody believable. Ah, uh, mm. you know, I talk about how Rangers should have a team of Camaras SmackDown should have a roster of uh, Chad Gables. <laughs> 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 just I had, want had Germans and to... everybody. What's he going to do with Otis now? I don't know, they're gonna eat steak or something, I don't know. You know. Uh, he's gonna get a date with something Mandy Rose's uh with Dana Brooke or something, I don't
4: know. Oh Julia <laughs> so, yeah, Mysterio away from Murphy.
2: Well yeah. if he's gonna go for the oh, uh, uh, fight off the Ray. <laughs> 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 Could you imagine that? Uh, yes, here's uh, Mrs. Mysterio.
4: <laughs> no, no nah, right, Mrs. Nothing. Dosevich. <laughs> oh
2: god aye, Mandy Rose that's going to be something Uh, wrestling weddings Mandy Rose and Otis Uh, but yeah I think uh, I think Survivor Series was uh, a there was a lot of enjoyable moments on the show you know there was a lot of stuff that fell flat probably in the the women's five on five and the and the squash of myself in that match, you know, it's amazing. I'm Sammy Zayn, partly, but yeah, we're not talking about how Dave we used to say Dave is Drew Gulak, and Drew Gulak was, a, was in the Goblet outfit. So that's going to be the next. That's going to be that's for Christmas. We're going to all buy you a, a turkey outfit. You're going to have to wear it.
0: <laughs> Joy, but yeah, I, I mean, if that's the case, that means I'm recognised as a multi-time twenty-four-seven champion now.
2: Ah, uh, who knows? Just
0: another accolade to add to my list of achievements on this podcast.
2: Yeah, you can put that in the fireplace. <laughs> 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 next to the TV uh, right so let's go into our uh, next bit of uh, WWE related news and something that came up not long after we recorded last week's Central is something we've talked about many times in the past few weeks and it's a you home for the home. yes WWE's tenure, yeah, at the sen- <laughs> uh, WWE's tenure at the Amway
1: Centre
2: WWE's tenure at the Amway Centre is running out in the coming weeks and from December 11th they will now be holding the Thunderdome recordings for Raw, Smackdown and the pay-per-views at the Tropicana Field baseball stadium as we speculated in past weeks it apparently will be WWE's home throughout Wrestlemania season with the goal apparently according to WrestleVotes on Twitter that WWE plan on resuming normal arena shows to some degree from the Raw after Wrestlemania Uh, Gary I'll start with you on this one uh What's your thoughts on this you set up for the Thunderdome?
3: Yeah, well, it makes sense. Uh, well, firstly, I'm pleased that it's continuing because the idea of going back to the empty arenas uh, isn't uh, desirable and having you know large numbers of people in the place. I mean, America seems d- determined to kill as many people as they possibly can. Uh, through this coronavirus, so having some you know, WWE holding back and doing you know large number of people's in the stadiums is a good good thing. Makes sense for them to find another venue in Florida, given that so much of the WWE's production and talent live in that area. And actually, it's not bad if you don't live in the area; it's fairly easily you know accessible via multiple airlines and so on. So it's really good that it makes sense to have continued in that that way. The venue it's clear they were looking for some other places I doubt that Tropicana Field would have been on top of their list some, some of the things that I read up about it it was voted as one of the worst venues in MLB. B, <laughs> the home of the Tampa Bay uh, Rays is that the name of the team but uh, it's in St. Petersburg so one of the criticisms of it's been is it's quite a distance from Tampa as well if you're travelling to it Um, When I did hear about it going to a baseball stadium I did wonder about You know, venue Sort of acoustics and so on But it 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 has a fixed roof on it Doesn't it? And uh, (coughs) 25,000 capacity um, Given some of the works That were done on it recently I think it can go up if they need it to So uh, I'm sure WWE's production Will make it Will make it work, so I'm pleased that they've been able to keep it keep it going in this mm-hmm. way, and uh, at least it uh, the keeps them through to WrestleMania season. Stephen will be good. Although there are lots of rumours that WWE's going to try and do something for the different for the Royal Rumble.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Dave, that's the one thing. Uh, a lot of people there's a just talk that they're they're probably going to have to concede that there's not going to be any fans for the Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that is the case, do you think that's a major blow for WWE? You know, one of the big things about the Royal Rumble um, is all the people in the in the crowd cheering on as it as it goes from one to ferry.
0: It's a tricky one to say because the Thunderdome has actually been doing very very well since it was uh, since it was introduced. You know, it's it's been it's been an award winning concept and it's been critically acclaimed by so many. I think you know whatever way they sort of set up the Thunderdome inside the Tropicana Field. I think they'll make it work, and it's the same way. Like you know, they piped in the crowd noise uh, when they've got the the LED boards. You know, with fans watching. You know, it, it made it almost feel like you no, know, they had a live crowd there. So, like in particular, when they were looking at well, when Undertaker was doing his farewell. You know, they piped in "Thank You, Taker Chance" and everything like that. It was. I think they could they could definitely make it work, but I'm wondering. You know. Because the Tropicana Field is such a, a much bigger arena now, and as Gary said, you know the capacity can you know range from say twenty five thousand onwards. Like it has the, the capacity volume has changed over time, given they've been continually making improvements to it. I think at one point it could uh, hold up to about forty three to forty five thousand people. So I mean, if they're going to have that many LED screens uh, on the on the ground on the ground level, it's going to be a bit. It might feel a little bit more atmospheric but I mean, if they're getting that that much pyro in there too, I think it might actually turn out to be pretty well.
2: Mm-hmm. Aye, but granted, Dave mentions all these LED screens will still have some fan presence, but you don't get the same organic reactions you'll get from the Royal Rumble. We saw arguably the best moment in wrestling this year in WWE when Edge returned at the Royal Rumble what feels like 15 decades ago. You know, you're not going to replicate that in the Thunderdome.
4: No, I mean, the Thunderdome is pretty cool for like the visual side of it and giving some level of atmosphere, but you just can't be having fans look at japan we've got thousands of fans getting to go to shows and you know it just you can't beat that in my opinion and the rumble without fans it just yeah it just doesn't seem right like you know you get yeah even if it's just like they'll pipe in the whole 10 9 8 7 but it's not quite the same as when you can hear some guy that's clearly 14 beers in and just going for it
3: I mean, that video of the guy when he realised when Edge was coming out running around. Is it? That would be Scot- the same. Scottish. It's a Scottish I mean, guy. What's been great with the Royal Rumble as well is it's become a bigger, you know, it's become a really much bigger event as well. And to see it in the baseball stadiums as it has been in you know, 40, 50,000 people there, the atmosphere was just incredible last year. So it's it will be disappointing to see it in a a much more scaled back scaled back way the returns and the pops that you know you would get you you know it feels like WWE's trying to save some stuff and you do wonder if that will affect the rumble will they not pull the the trigger on a surprise return because it's going to be there or will they hold on to something so there's a few things like that
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, right guys it's now time to say the word it's coming back. War Games War Games <laughs> Yes, um the great moment on the end of NXT last week where Adam Cole blooming, just what goes to William Regal. Say it William, you want to say it <laughs> <laughs> as as Regal announced the return this year of War Games now as usual. It's two teams not no, sorry, two teams four on four in the war game structure one men's match one women's match Dave of course the one that the build on this one last week's NXT was the men's match featuring your boys the undisputed era taking yeah. on the kings of NXT the team of Pat McAfee Pete Dunne and the Britann Brawlers, Olney Larkin and Danny Burch not a team I thought I'd be announcing this time last year <laughs> but um, yeah what's your thoughts undisputed era you know, we talk about Undertaker earlier on. The Hell in the Cell is his match. Beneath the mm-hmm. Lies his match. Looks like War Games is the Undisputed Era's match.
0: Like, if there was ever a team fitted for War Games, it was the Undisputed Era. Uh, obviously, you know, the first uh, NXT War Games was a little bit different because it was three teams of three. But the 4v4, I think, is a much simpler concept. Uh, and, you know, Undisputed Era has been involved in every single War Games match that NXT's had since it brought it back. Um, <clears throat> I can actually see Undisputed Era winning this one now because the last two they've lost against uh, some sort of tag teams featuring face superstars but what Pat McAfee and his sort of brand are doing is they're filling that heel faction void that I think was left because Undisputed Era have been that popular for so long like there was no way you could have kept them heels uh, for for whenever but that's what I like about Undisputed Era is that they've not really changed in terms of their characters they've just been immensely popular throughout and they're just sort of more <coughs> more like a, a brotherhood more like a, a faction that sticks together and doesn't let anybody destroy that. But what I think has been really good about this unit is the the rising stock of Larkin and Birch because they've been sort of there in the tag team division but they never had that big break. And I, I don't think it wasn't until they defeated Breezango did their heel turn and then aligned themselves with Pat McAfee that they've actually now become the top tag team in NXT so I mean fair play to them you know for, t- for making that next step and now being one of the, the top heel tag teams and Pete Dunne's role in it as well I mean that was <clears throat> you don't get
2: a more scowling suitable scowling like this mm. all the time <laughs> and then Riddles just like but that's his happy face <laughs> <laughs> probably is. probably is his happy face Uh Grant on the other side of things the women's match has still got a lot of surprise to it as of time of recording It's going to be Team Shotzi taking on Team Candice LeRae. Now, anybody who's watched NXT in the last few weeks can kind of speculate who we might see. Indy Hartwell, Dakota Kai, Raquel Gonzalez are names for Candice's team. Ember Moon and Tony Storm are the names for uh, Shotzi's team being rumoured, but that leaves one place up for grabs. You mentioned before we came on air tonight... Uh, that you thought this one could outshine the men's match this year, uh, the women's match probably did that last year. I think it's fair to say as well.
4: Alright, the women's in last year was absolutely incredible, and it was still it was it had like the you know probably the biggest shock heel turn of them all when Kai turned on Tegan Knox. Like the actual shock factor and that the heartbreak that that caused amongst the fan base was un- undeniably. It was one of the, the hottest heel turns that we'd seen happen in NXT. So, looking at the teams, I think the fourth spot, I'm I'm putting my money on it. Rhea Ripley's going to take spot number four because it doesn't look like she's got anything else planned yet at the moment. She's just came off that loss to Io Shirai where she looked absolutely fantastic. That match last week was beautiful. Brilliant match. So, so, I mean, to me, that would be a good shout. They could still set up Io with a challenger for her belt, or just not have a title match at all. Don't force it. And if it's not needed, the, war, the two war games matches alone could easily probably take the best part of an hour and a half of the card.
2: Yeah, Gary, I'm really curious actually with the war games setup because obviously the next takeover event is still going to take place at the the Capital Wrestling Center, nowhere near the same size as the uh, arenas that they've used in past war games. I'm very intrigued how the hell they're going to get the war games set up into that into the CWC.
3: It will be interesting to see it. I I'm pleased uh, that we're getting getting to see War Games because it looked like it was going to be uh, it was going to skip a year, didn't it? So um, this has sort of come together, and come a I think come a wee bit of nowhere. I think we sort of accepted it wasn't going to happen, and there was an obvious story there for it. And you know, we talked about it a lot with Hell in the Cell. You need a uh, need a match that needs the stipulation not the other way around and Wargames was in danger of getting in that way but I think we're, we're getting there with the undisputed era and my goodness what a what a random bunch they're going to go up against if we'd said I know there's a lot of things we're saying well this time last year if you'd have said that, if you'd have told us just a couple of weeks ago that that Pat McAfee, Danny Burch, only working and Pete Dunne were going to be in the main event of a takeover
4: show. We'd all thought you would be out with uh, hanging out with Matt Riddle. Well, um, we, a wee point there, Gary. You're saying like this time last year to use a, a wee bit of context. This time last year, I watched working and Burch in London at Progress. <laughs> so at that point, like you know, they're yeah. now in a WarGames match. I'm like, what? <laughs>
3: You know, mm-hmm. I remember firstly watching Locking and Birch wrestle uh, for the tag titles on a takeover show. It was a match that came on and I was like, oh my god, I not care less about it and was blown away by it. I think what's hurt them a lot is they seem to have picked up a lot of injuries which has always like, derailed their momentum. So best of luck to them. Uh, no doubt that the eight people that are in these matches will, will go for it And I'm excited about the women's match as well Because there's a lot of folk here With something to prove You know, Ember Moon and Tony Storm Are names that jump off the page at me Folk, that I think are, are, have got a lot to prove there And we've seen, you know That bump uh, that Candace took in the ladder match When it looked like she landed almost foot first In the ladders against Eo. Does make you think, you know Some of these, you know Folk, they will not hold back in any way, shape, or form. So, we'll be in for an interesting, interesting night. So, I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited about
0: it. Uh, uh, Gary, Gary, you know that Lorcan Birch tag match you were talking about uh, against Fish and uh, No, sorry, uh, O'Reilly and Strong uh-huh. take over Chicago. That was that's still one of my favourite NXT tag matches to this day. Like absolutely. they, they absolutely went above and beyond expectations. They're a
2: great tag team. It's just that they've never really had the platform, and now they've got mm. the mouthpiece and Pat McAfee. I think it's fair to say it. many people no. are saying he's the best, uh, the best heel on the mic in WWE currently.
4: And Working he's... and Butch were very much used as your tag team that were put used to put over the other tag teams, but they never looked bad doing it. They always looked incredible.
0: Mm. No, Pat,
2: Pat. You
0: know, Pat's been hated ever since, like ever since he showed his face. So it's he's he's a yeah.
2: universal heel. Ah, but he's one of the him. greatest punters in NFL history, as they keep telling us. Even though I've never heard of him my portal, showed up on that first pre-show <laughs> that he did. That's,
3: man, that annoys the hell out of me with WWE. We know that people, it's not just America, Americans that watch the product, but yet they fucking fill it through with shoved NASCAR drivers and folk like Pat McAfee that the rest of the world don't know who the fuck they are. I don't uh... even know what the fuck <laughs> that means. Even when you say he's the, big, the greatest punter in... Uh,
2: that means fucking he's the nothing
3: guy
4: kicks, he's, the, he's just a guy he's the guy who kicks the ball oh, so, why the should ball. I make for that? I can kick a ball pretty far but <laughs> instead of getting a ball let's see
2: who can kick Wilson the hardest <laughs> you or Pat McAfee <laughs> oh yeah cheeky
4: swine
2: uh, speaking of that let's move let's move a wee bit more west yes it's now time for Vegas baby Yes, Woo-hoo! we go to AEW Well, um, the big segment from this week's AEW needs to be spoken about was the inner circle travelling to Vegas and what was a very, very hangover inspired bit of a work grant I think it's fair to say
4: I'm not going to lie, I not think you have realised but I actually haven't had a chance to watch this shit because I spent the best part of four days on my PS5 oh, do it, do This is the first, a, it's the first AEW I've not actually watched in probably the best part of three months Oh, Just
2: like, Sammy Guevara gets married three times, man. <laughs> <Did> <laughs> you he? Get Mike, he gets the Mike Tyson tattoo as
4: well. Oh my God, he, I need to watch
2: this. This
0: honestly, actually sounds
4: incredible.
2: Basically,
0: Sammy Guevara plays the role of Stu in, in The Hangover. And, oh my gosh, this is... it's It's basically if The Hangover was turned into like a... If it was filmed by like a, a student group or something, I, I'm not going to say it's like it was made into a parody because it made. I suppose in some sense it was a parody, but uh, <laughs> you could tell, you know, they were just following the script of The Hangover yeah. and the, you know having Swoggle play the baby as well. I mean, that was I, I don't even know how it was
4: possible. Speaking speaking of Swoggle, can we just make a brief mention of the fact that he showed up as AJ Styles and Impact?
2: Yeah, that too. It's a good. It's, it's a great bit about that. Ethan Page finds a tweet he does that he sent out in January saying we should bring in Swoggle with AJ Styles and he just retweets it going, remind me never to make suggestions.
4: <laughs> uh, <laughs>
2: uh, on the Inner Circle Vegas bit there's a great part of it where uh, MGF and Jericho are at the bar and uh, I think they ordered, I can't believe what drinks they ordered, but essentially MGF orders oh, a drink and Jericho orders oh, a drink the two of them just stand they just sit there going Barkeep a shot of this it's like they just keep <laughs> outdoing doing them and eventually gets to Jericho and he goes Barkeep a shot of this and the barkeep goes Sir we've not served that in 20 years he's like <laughs> I can't remember the exact <laughs> the exact bits of it but it's uh, Je- Jericho uh, mentions that he dislikes he-, he knows the comedy it works and he said this is probably one of the most pure comedy stuff he's done
0: <laughs> yeah i was just wondering I'm guessing if Jericho is the leading man you know that makes him Bradley Cooper as Phil right but that makes me wonder who of the inner circle would play as uh Alan Warlow Warlow Ortiz or Santana I'd say Jake, Jake Hager's more of an Alan I think uh,
2: it's, uh was it Ortiz uh Ortiz is quite good isn't it uh it just does not seem like he just is just like he's oh him and Santana are so it. Santana looks like he's having that time of his life, and Ortiz <laughs> is just like oh, I want to go home. Oh, I played on P. I just ordered the PS five. <laughs> 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 I've
0: been to Vegas and holy crap, it is it is the reason why uh, it parties all night because you know the casinos are open twenty four hours a day. You can actually drink out in the street just as long as it's a plastic uh, plastic cup and you, you dress in the nines every time and that's what the inner circle does it's uh, you know they, they portray themselves as these kingpins of aew so i i think it's quite good you know they they include the vegas sketch and as i think i think you, you you don't really know what vegas can offer until you've actually been there and i think they certainly you know did the case with the the hangover and stuff
2: mm-hmm. uh- Gary, I know you don't watch AEW. What do you think in the, in the year 2020 of a Chris Jericho-led hangover skit?
3: <laughs> well, there's nothing that you can't do, is there? Um, so, it makes perfect sense. So, why not? <laughs> why not? Why, why not?
2: not, indeed? Uh, I
3: would have thought there would be a, a singing lunch date in wrestling... Uh, if he'd said that a while ago, with that work? He'd have
2: said absolutely no way So so why not? Absolutely uh, Also from AW, a quick couple of things to get a note of uh, Dave, I'll go with you in this one It's the the strengthening of Team Taz with the heel turn of Will Hobbs mm. who's joined uh, Brian Cage and Ricky Starks on that team uh, Is this something that you've foreseen in the last few weeks?
0: Uh, actually it was because I remember I think it was Will Hobbs uh, came to support uh, I think it was Moxley when he chased out uh, Team Taz but crucially he actually didn't hit any of them with the, with the steel chair Yeah
2: he, sh- and he showed up about half an think, hour late well, last week
0: <sighs> to help in uh-huh. and Darby Yeah so
2: yep yeah.
0: and that's when if, he, if he's not hitting them then he's probably got some allegiance to them so and there were Rumours going around like, well, if he's not hit them, he's probably going to heel turn with them as well. And Team Taz needs a little bit of an extra boost. So I, I kind of saw it coming,
2: but I had to see it in person to believe it. Uh, and grand something you'll be happy about is the reformation of the death triangle. Yes. Uh, Pack is rejoined with the Lucha Bros. Uh, Lucha Bros clearly had enough of being part of the family with eddie kingston butcher and blades and we now get the stable that we were we saw some great stuff from in february before the pandemic forced pack into english isolation that sounds absolutely horrible to say
4: (laughs) (laughs) this is a stable which i was as soon as they confirmed that stable was happening i was buzzing for it and then the pandemic took it away from me so how they've brought it back, I think it's actually going to work in their favour by the fact that Pack's return is hot. The, the heat with, with Kingston. Kingston's got Butcher in the Blade. This is a great chance to make everyone look good. They can really go nuts with this one. Um, just because like um, the video packages pack Pac was doing like to come back and that just gets hype right behind him. So it's going to be interesting to see how much because I, I know he's had like one match so far. I want to see if he's really... like. Is he back on form because him vs Kingston is a, is a a dream match for me the
2: only thing a lot of people soured on the pack, on the pack thing a wee bit was uh, I think Tony Khan overhyped it a wee bit I think it's uh, <laughs> he's like this is a, this change is going to shake the foundations of wrestling it's like dude he showed a pre he showed a vignette for pack last week we know he's coming back see <laughs> so if you didn't show the vignette the week before you'd be a, way, a lot more excited about the pack thing but it's like kind of knew he was coming back. We love Pac, but...
4: Big you know, Tony's exactly. guilty of getting a wee bit too hyped up himself. And I don't give a get why he does it. You know, he wants to big up his product. He's put a lot of time and money. And he's a fan himself. He's, he is a big passionate wrestling fan. So, yeah, he's, he's getting a wee bit lost in his own hype. And I think that is a bit of a side effect to spend too much time with Cody, who is also uh, bad for being a wee bit too much overhyping.
2: Yeah, you saw the tweet that Tony Khan sent out a few weeks ago who I talked about Fulham and the Fulham fans did not appreciate him tweeting about things I think he said about the team playing absolutely rotten and they were like why are you undermining the manager it's like, <laughs> see if he did that in AEW they'd be like come on Tony well done well done Tony well
0: done <laughs>
2: <laughs> you are the man you are the man uh, Gary I've never asked you about this what's your thoughts of Tony Khan as a wrestling promoter uh,
3: well I'm um- I, I don't consume any of the AEW products. I don't really have an opinion on it, but I do have an opinion on on f- football. Do you know if I was uh, if I was the owner of a football club and putting millions and millions of pounds into, i would to say what the fuck I want. <laughs> I, <laughs> if I would undermine the man my management team. Well, my management team to, to undermine is my privilege and right to do so. Now I don't think it's necessarily great management or leadership, but uh, <laughs> it's your right to do so, Matt. Um, One, but I, I don't, I don't follow AEW products. I can't really comment too much on it.
2: Hmm. Nothing much about your social media stuff. No, I don't see much yet. Just off the radar. You should follow him on social media. He does. He, he, he talks a. Lot, he, he does talk a lot of good stuff, but he also talks a lot of uh, crap, as mentioned, well, with the aforementioned tweets. <laughs>
3: I mean, I've already gone on a couple of rants tonight but I may as well throw another one in because another thing that really pisses me off is the the AEW p- people moaning about the ratings war uh, and it's like they're, they're the ones talking about it they're the ones talking about WWE all the time making pot shots everywhere and uh, w- NXT was already on Wednesday nights which is a fact. It wasn't on USA Network, um, but it was already on Wednesday nights beforehand. So I get a bit pissed off at and fed up hearing that stuff.
2: I made that rant last year. You know, I get tired of making the rant, so I just kind of like. I quite I quite like the two shows. You know, I wish they were on different nights. I wish they didn't argue. I liked what Kenny Omega said the other week, the other day. Of if WWE ever comes and wants a relationship, I'd be like, yes, please do it, and that'd and be quite good.
3: As if that's going to happen, Kenny. I am waiting for waiting for a supermodel to come and chat my front door. <laughs> WWE is not going to approach
2: AEW. <laughs> There's no way that's going to happen. It might happen after Vince's, you know, not there anymore not it it anymore, but That's a way-
3: if AEW was to reach out to WWE, different story. WWE's not going to reach out
2: to AEW. Not anytime soon. Not anytime soon. Uh closing segment of this week's show, we're gonna to throw to Grant, who is our U Japan man. He's gonna give us a bit of an update on what's happening on the latest U Japan tournaments. Grant, take it away.
4: So I was gonna keep things nice and nice and simple. This, just give a little bit of update where the Tag League and Best and Super Juniors are standing. We're pretty much about the halfway point now. Um things are for New Japan, I'm not going to lie it's The quality hasn't been quite the same as what I'm used to Best of Super Juniors, definitely the better half of things But World Tag League To give you an idea where things are standing My boys sitting up top 8 points, Sanada and Shingo The actual champs are not sitting top Of World Tag League It's 3 teams are tied in second, Evil and Yujiro Yano and Ishii, sorry 4 teams JOD and Dangerous Techers oh, Sorry 5, there's that bloody many of them and the Empire, yes, the Empire, Will Ospreys. We are a colony, a colony people. The Empire, pish name. <laughs> They're tied in six points. Yoshihashi, the man without a without personality, and Goto uh, and Finjis are on four points. And Tanahashi is teamed with Hanari, who I forgot even existed until he reappeared at World Tag Week. Uh, and Fali and Owens are on two points. But I'll be honest, World Tag Week. This is where New Japan suffers, Um, we've talked about the different tag divisions, you know we mentioned earlier, Raw and Smackdown struggle a little bit with their contenders for their title guys, Uh, New Japan makes Smackdown and Raw's tag side look a lot better. I'd say New Japan's got the better quality tag teams for their actual in-ring power but there's just no depth. So that'd be an awesome thing if they could do a relationship but you know, sooner a chance that I'm going to become Tony Khan myself. The best of Super Juniors, that's where it's getting interesting. We've got three guys tied at the top. Hiromu, um who's sitting there with eight points. Uh, Ishimori, the current junior heavyweight champion. And we've also got Watto, the, the cock-eyed wonder with the, the dodgy blue haircut. <laughs> he's he's actually making a fantastic impact um, being fresh off excursion. Me and Scott will go quite a lot into that. Um, I'm assuming at this point, Scott's probably still about four days behind me at this point. So I'm hoping he's not listening to this. Probably. Oh. <laughs> Uh, tied at six points there's uh, Show El Desperado and Bushi, which is quite a solid one you got Robbie Eagles and Taguchi are sitting on four points and at the bottom with no points Doki and Yamura, Ny- both with five losses each how pish is that if you're in the tournament you can't even get a win <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I mean we're halfway point things are starting to the way they're doing the tournament single block so the top two go into the finals so like, if you look at that, there's pretty much like six teams in the running out of ten currently in Tag League and you're like pretty much between six guys and best of super juniors and we're halfway. Like the G1, I have no idea what the hell is going to happen over the next like two and a half weeks. And it's ridiculous because it's 18 shows in 28 days I'm trying to keep up with. But it's definitely, you can definitely see like they are trying, and trying their best with the limited roster they've got since they still can't get a lot of people over from overseas
2: yeah definitely and if you want to get a more detailed outlook on the U Japan stuff uh, obviously Grant and Scott do East Meets West here on Superlix uh, retweet uh, and one of our next shows will probably cover a lot more depth of these tournaments as opposed to the brief results that Grant just gave us so you can catch that on our podcast platform East Meets West where hopefully by then Scott will be up to date you know he's a host of a Japanese wrestling podcast but he's about 20 weeks behind at times <laughs>
4: <laughs> nah, uh, he's always not... he's always waiting for the English commentary, but uh, you know I'll give it to him this time. They've got Gino Gambino in doing commentary as well, who is absolutely hilarious on it, so I'll give him that one. Uh, <laughs> uh,
2: final quick tidbit before we finish up. Actually, just quickly before I miss that, out. Uh, ICW are doing shows again on the, on the WWE network. Uh, mm-hmm. Gary, what's yeah. your thoughts on that one? That's a surprise one.
3: Uh, I mean, we heard uh, some rumors that some things have been recorded in secret um, and. Uh, they have been pretty good at keeping uh, keeping the news of what, what's going to be involved uh, quiet. So, I mean, it strikes me as a fairly big deal for, for ICW to get content, historical content, nevertheless, on the WWE Network is, is one thing. From the early indications, early reports, that content was well received and well viewed. But the fact that WWE has partnered with them to show new original content is ah, that's a big deal so it comes out on Saturday so we we'll need to see what, it, what it's going to look like and where it's going to go with it as ICW now starting to work towards their plan to have uh, big shows again so the next big show should be The Square Go in January which at this point is hard to imagine you will be able to get a significant number of people in Scotland into the uh, into the is it SWG3 again, or the Barrowlands? I'm forgetting now.
4: I think it was SWG3 was the last square goal. Yeah,
3: uh, SWG3. Yeah. Um, so that would be the next the next big one, but it's hard to imagine that, that you'll be able to get a significant number of people there for it, but it's a, it's a big deal for the ICW. Well done to them for securing it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, granted, I'm interested though know how it's going to be received, because... To many people, ICW haven't been the flavour of the month over the last uh, six months or so. So, that-
4: risky business. Risky business. Because, I mean, if you look down south, like Rev Pro have been doing, like, they're about six shows in now from, like, pre recorded stuff, which they have done during the kind of lockdown. And Rev Pro quickly lost flavour of the month as well. Um, a lot of people backlash about Osprey and like that. So they started out on Fight TV where you had to pay for it. And suddenly they're on Twitch where you don't have to pay for it. Tells you a lot that. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, it's going to be interesting how people receive it. But, Dave, I think one thing a lot of people will be universally on top of is there's a lot of good wrestlers, uh, a lot of good guys still involved with the wrestling scene up in Scotland. And it's good that some of them are going to be able to get this platform to perform on the WWE network.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think these guys, this could potentially be a big break for a lot of people, you know, get more eyes on the ICW product, given the WWE is the biggest wrestling company in the world. I'm not sure about the logistics about you know how they're going to pull it off, but I think either way, as long as you know these wrestlers are getting matches, you know, and they're getting people scouting them for talent, it's only going to benefit them in the long run. So I'm actually quite optimistic to see what uh, fresh content WWE and ICW can produce together, given that you know they've shown uh, past episodes of Fight Club, they've shown Shug's whose Party uh, from 2019, I believe it was, and. Yeah, there's, there's plenty of ICW content on the WWE network, so if you're not familiar with it, I'd say go and go and watch some of it and
2: you'll get some idea of what to expect from this partnership. I would just love if they just brought Travis Banks in for the one night just so he could get battered off a big Kryger. I like, think that'd be great to fucking watch. <laughs> <laughs> just like, just like, just get absolutely squashed, beat up in about 10 minutes and it to get the feck like he should have been. Yeah. <laughs> uh, buddy Travis Banks arsehole uh, but enough about that uh, before I dig into anything I shouldn't that has been this week's ESSR Central here on Eat Sleep suplex Retweet I uh, hope you've enjoyed us t- talking about all the, the latest news, results uh, rumours and previews of what's happening in the world of wrestling we do this every Thursday here on the channel we also do our ESSR feature Uh, releases which come out every Tuesday. Our next one coming out next week will be about the greatest women's rivalries women's feuds, I never say rivalries right women's feuds (laughs) in (laughs) professional wrestling. Myself, Dave and Gary will all be on that show Mm -hmm. uh, hosted by the GOAT, David Campbell so you can catch us next week doing that one Uh, the next release on the the channel will actually be this coming Saturday the latest Saturday Draft Live where it will be the Reveal of the season six, season season seven uh, teams, seven. season seven teams. All of us will be on that, picking our teams for the latest season to see who will defrone uh, Grant's son Jack as the Saturday Draft Live champion.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: so let's we'll see how that goes. Grant can't defrone him; he's in purgatory. But the other three of us can, so that should go very well. My uh, son
4: must be stopped. <laughs> <laughs> and
2: there's also our uh, YouTube content uh, where tomorrow, after this show gets released, our latest episode of Book It is out featuring David Hopney as he takes mm-hmm. on Ryan Gallagher in episode two of the Book It season, t- series. Dave, what is he's rebooking in that show? Uh, we've been
0: asked to book our own NXT TakeOver reunion show.
2: That should be interesting. Obviously, the winner of that match will take on... The winner of match number three that comes out in a couple of weeks between Ross McLeod and Jack Gal G- Jack Gallagher. Jack Graham. Uh, so <laughs> you <can't... laughs>
4: Oh you didn't just say that name. <laughs> you didn't just say Jack Gallagher. You didn't say that. <laughs> oh, he's gonna get some pelters for being condemned to that. <laughs> you say my son's a sex best. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Jack
2: Graham, not the other Jack. Not so gentleman Jack, uh, but that has exactly. been us this week. Uh, I would like to thank uh, my panel this week. First of all, thanking David Tottenham. Thank you very much, uh, Grant Murovi Thank you. Thank you, uh, Gary Garland. Thank you very much.
3: Thank you, Stephen.
2: Uh, I'd like to thank Kwaku Aji. He dropped out with some technical issues very early on in the show, but he got to talk about the Undertaker. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, for myself, Stephen Wilson, this has been ESSR Central, and we'll see you next week. There now follows an enthusiastic advertisement for Quiz Showdown. Hello, guys, welcome to Quiz Showdown. I'm Daniel Campbell, and in this show, you're going to see the members of the Eat, Sleep, Suplex Retweet team go through a very strange quiz. We don't know what the heck's going on with it, but you're going to have to watch to find out. Go check out on the YouTube channel now. That was an enthusiastic advert for Quiz Showdown.